Welcome to the New Wine Podcast. My name is Jay Matthew Barnes. The goal of New Wine is simply this, to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in the real world, especially for those of us who are tired of doing it the same old way. This is podcast number 19, and here's the question we'll try to answer this time. What is a blessing, and why is it important for a missional follower of Jesus? So recently, Facebook has added a new feature, the feeling fill-in-the-blank tag that you can add to a status update. You can say that you're feeling sad, happy, frustrated, annoyed, excited, etc., etc., etc. But for the purposes of today's podcast, I'm most interested in the I'm feeling blessed option that people often use. This is how it works. Someone posts something to their own Facebook feed and then chooses to say how they're feeling about it. If they choose, I'm feeling blessed, then those words will appear after their update, along with a cute little smiley-faced emoticon that is sporting a halo. I'll give you a couple of examples of how this can be used for my very own Facebook feed. When my wife and I attended a neighborhood church in order to worship with, meet, and network with some of our neighbors, I took a picture of my wife's son and a new friend. And when I posted that picture on Facebook, I attached the I'm feeling blessed tag to it. But in another post, weeks before that one, I said that I was feeling blessed because the Chicago Cubs, my favorite baseball team, executed a pretty big free agency signing. While both of those things are great, at least from my perspective, they certainly are not at equivalent levels of great, and I probably should not equate both of them with being blessed. But as I spend time on Facebook, I've begun to notice that lots of people post the I'm feeling blessed tag most often in two ways. Number one, to humble brag about their finances, and or number two, to humble brag about their possessions. A definition is in order here. What does humble brag mean? While most people know it's not all that socially appropriate to be a big show-off, so they couch their boasts in false humility. That's a humble brag. Here's a real example that I saw on Facebook in just the last few days. Quote, I finally got that promotion and raise that I've been working toward all these years. I'm feeling blessed, unquote. I guess the thought there is that you can tag I'm feeling blessed on the back end of any boastful statement and it makes it okay. Here's another humble brag that I saw a few weeks ago. Quote, we just leased a new Lexus. Woohoo! I'm feeling blessed, unquote. So this one has a whole host of problems. Leasing a car, at least in my opinion, is a horrible financial decision. And then the mention of the brand of the car, Lexus, was intended pretty clearly to elicit admiration at best or jealousy at worst in others. And then, lastly, they associated the announcement of this questionable purchase with being blessed. And, unfortunately, these two examples could be followed by dozens and dozens and dozens of other ones. This makes me wonder about something that I want to focus on for the rest of this podcast. What does it mean to be blessed? And why is it important for someone seeking to follow Jesus in the real world? Before we can get into that question, though, we need to examine the popular conception of blessing a little bit more. And I want to start with what I view as the most egregious examples of interpreting blessing poorly, the health and wealth gospel preachers. What I mean by this 
are the preachers out there, many of whom are wildly popular, that claim that God's dearest desire for us is that we amass wealth and avoid sickness in any form. And there's no doubt that having money and being healthy have potential to be good things in our lives. But it's the way in which these health and wealth preachers tell their followers how they can attain these blessings that I find problematic. They claim that if people give their money to their ministries, then God must bless them. It's a formula in their mindset. They consistently teach that if people, their word, sow a financial seed, then a financial blessing will grow and grow and grow for them. Some even claiming that the people who give to their ministries will receive 100 times what they sowed. Now, I've written about this quite a bit on my blog, so if you want more details, then go to jmatthewbarnes.com, that's J-A-Y, matthewbarnes.com, and search for Prosperity Gospel, which is another name for the Health and Wealth Gospel. But I would like to share briefly three reasons why this Health and Wealth Gospel approach is inappropriate. Number one, it's not sound biblically. I have a big write-up about this on my blog, and I'll get into some of the details later in this podcast, but suffice it to say that there are no for-all-time promises of wealth and health in the Bible like these preachers promise. In fact, Jesus says in more than one place that following him is hazardous, putting one's finances and health at risk. That doesn't sound like a hundredfold promise of riches to me. Number two, the optics are bad. The health and wealth preachers, almost without exception, want their followers to believe that they themselves are blessed by God. So they focus on looking the part. They drive expensive cars, they wear flashy clothes, and they live in gaudy homes. Last year, one of the most famous health and wealth preachers, whom I will not name here, put a call out to his followers to give more than they already had given so that he could buy, wait for it, a brand new private jet. And this jet cost almost a hundred million dollars. Why would this preacher need a private jet like this? Why couldn't he fly commercial like other followers of Jesus who preach, teach, and speak all over the world? Why is this preacher so important? I have one guess. He wants to keep up the appearances that God only blesses people financially. So he needs to make it look like he is being extravagantly blessed by God himself so others will continue to follow him and give to his ministry. Number three, the people who are most hurt by these health and wealth preachers aren't wealthy people and they aren't middle class people. They're people who suffer from poverty the most whether in North America or in other parts of the world. In fact, as I've written about on my blog, it's the poor in South America, Africa, and Asia whom are the most targeted by the prosperity gospel preachers. In fact, when my wife and I were in Cambodia once on a short-term mission assignment, a very famous health and wealth preacher was having a conference there, and the word among the small but growing number of Cambodian Christians was that they were under the impression that if they paid the very high price of admission to the conference, then God would bless them a great deal. And the folks that I'm talking about here were not able to raise the money easily to go to the conference. They would have to sacrifice deeply, even risking their own health and that of their families. To put it really bluntly, 
The biggest problem with the health and wealth gospel preachers to me is that they obviously target the poor. The same poor that God in the Bible calls for his followers to care for, not take advantage of. But the prosperity gospel preachers are easy targets. They're low-hanging fruit. They obviously view blessing as being money and stuff. But are there other examples out there too? Of course there are. It can be said that the majority of the North American church is guilty of adhering to another version of the prosperity gospel too, though a bit subtler than the health and wealth preachers. We tend more toward the I'm feeling blessed on Facebook version. I think our default position is that the people that God really loves, he blesses with health and wealth. Want some evidence? Every time our health, stuff, and or money is put in jeopardy, we ask, why God? as if he owes us something. And when our health is good and our bank accounts are full, then we believe that God has been looking out for us. And this idea is so ingrained in us that we equate the pursuit of health and wealth as a divinely appointed duty. To put it even more bluntly, we equate the American dream with God's will. And by the American dream, I mean pursuing our own betterment, presumably so we can pass it on to our children, along with the idea that wealth and health are equated with God's blessings. Perhaps it's time to look at what the Bible says about blessing. When I think about blessing in the Bible, three things jump right out at me. Number one, the blessing promised to Abraham. Number two, Jesus' statements of blessing in the Beatitudes. And number three, all the blessing verses from Proverbs and Deuteronomy. Let's start with Genesis 12 and the blessing of Abraham. This is the place in the Bible where God first talks to Abraham and commands him to go to the promised land. And in order to inspire Abraham to obey, God shares with him this promise in Genesis 12, 2-3. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So in this promise, God promises that blessing will come to Abraham twice, saying that God himself will make Abraham into a great nation and that he'll bless him, and then saying that others will bless Abraham as well. On the other hand, God also says twice that others will be blessed through Abraham saying, you will be a blessing, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So in order to keep this short, I'm going to move quickly here. When God makes this centrally important promise to Abraham, Abraham, who is the ancestor of the ancient nation of Israel and through whose family Jesus came, God promises to bless him so that he can be a blessing to others. To make it really straightforward, God did not bless Abraham only for Abraham's sake. Instead, he blessed him for the sake of others. Abraham was blessed by God so that he could bless others. And it's this blessing, the blessing of Abraham, that Paul says is fulfilled in Christ when he writes about it in the book of Galatians. Paul is saying there that the blessing of Abraham is extended to all the peoples of the earth through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and, by extension, through those who follow Jesus, 
taking on the mission of Jesus to reconcile all things. In other words, the blessing of Abraham is transferred through Jesus to all who follow Jesus. And, just like with Abraham, this blessing is not for our sakes alone, but instead God blesses us so that we can bless others and so that all the peoples of the earth might be blessed. To say all of this in one pithy phrase, we are blessed to bless. Hashtag blessed to bless. But what does this blessing look like? Is it stuff and money? Is it health and family? Or is it something else? Well, if we look at the life of Abraham, we can begin to see what the blessing of God can look like. Sure, in Abraham's case, there's a financial component. He is wealthy and has many possessions, lots of livestock and many people whom he supports. And sure, there's a family component. God promised that Abraham would be a great nation and he makes good on this promise. But at the same time, Abraham's life was fraught with difficulties and frustrations, which God used to bless him as well. Blessing is not only reserved for the stereotypical good things of life. God blesses us, meaning that he demonstrates his love toward us in a myriad of different ways. We can see this truth very plainly in the Beatitudes, the most famous part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5. Listen to the people that Jesus says are blessed. I'm going to list them out here. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for justice, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted because of justice, and those who are insulted, persecuted, and libeled because of Jesus. That list does not sound like a list of blessed people that might come out of a prosperity gospel preacher's mouth. Nor does it sound like an American dreamized version of blessing that's so popular in the North American church. It sounds to me like Jesus is saying that his blessing a.k.a. the blessing given to Abraham, isn't as cookie-cutter as we might have thought. Why? Because God blesses us with a purpose, namely, so that we will bless others. If God's purpose in blessing us was to make us comfortable, rich, and healthy, then he would bless us accordingly. But since God's mission in this world is to reconcile all things to himself through Christ and to use us to do so, then he might need to bless us in other sorts of ways too. Why? Because in order for us to be able to participate in God's mission to be a blessing to others and to the nations, we can't be arrogant, selfish, and entitled. Instead, we need to be teachable, humble, and dependent upon God. Thus, God blesses us in just the right ways to make us into the people who will live to bless others. Hashtag blessed to bless. But someone might argue something like this. What about all of those promised blessings in the Proverbs and Deuteronomy that seem so clearly to be about health and wealth? I admit that there are numerous places in the Bible, including in the New Testament as well, that highlight how having the stereotypical good things of life is considered a blessing. That's true. But there are some important caveats to make. The book of Proverbs and Deuteronomy and, and other books like Leviticus and Numbers presume that someone is following God's ways closely. In each of those books, the reader is instructed very meticulously 
to care for others, especially the poor. In other words, when blessings come in stereotypical wrappings, then the clear expectation from God is that they will be used for his ends and not our own. And God's ends look like blessing others and blessing the nations. Here are a few examples of this from Proverbs and Deuteronomy. Proverbs 11.11 says this, Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Clearly, in this passage, those who are blessed are expected to be a blessing to others where they live, in their city. God blesses them to make their city better. And more generally, in, in Deuteronomy and elsewhere, God's blessing is almost always paired with obedience to his law. And his law included instructions for caring for the poor, the widow, the immigrant, etc., in other words, in Deuteronomy and in other places in the Old Testament, it's clear that when God gave stereotypical blessings, they were intended to be used in ways that blessed others, just as the law required. Friends, when blessing is talked about in the Bible, it is never intended to stop at the one being blessed. God always intended for his blessings to flow from him to his people and then through his people to all the nations. And these blessings can come in lots of different forms, as we saw in the life of Abraham and in the Beatitudes. But when the blessings from God are health and wealth, which they aren't always, then God demands that they be used as he sees fit, namely for the benefit of others, especially for the voiceless, the unprivileged, the forgotten, and the under-resourced. Hashtag blessed to bless. So our challenge as followers of Jesus is to share God's blessings with others, plain and simple. But as we try to follow Jesus in the real world, how are we to do this? Where are some places to start? Here's a few. Number one, we can learn how Jesus shared his blessings with others by reading the Gospels as often as possible. By reading the Gospels as often as we can, we will begin to internalize the ways of Jesus, specifically the ways in which he blessed others, especially those who were easily overlooked. It might be good for us to journal about this, to write down the kinds of people that Jesus blessed and how he blessed them, and then we can try to live those things out in our lives. Number two, we need to open our eyes to all the ways that God is blessing us. Are we going through something difficult? Okay, how can we use that to bless others? Is everything really awesome right now? Okay, how can we use that to bless others? This is where it's helpful to be part of meaningful Christian community. We can lean on each other as we seek to bless others. We can be inspired by one another as we seek to bless others. And we can hold each other accountable when we're tempted to hoard all the blessings to ourselves. Number three, we can actively seek out people to bless. Who in our lives is in need? Who is hurting? Who is suffering from injustice? Who could use some help? Who needs to be loved? Who is easily overlooked? Well, 
Those are the people we are called to bless. If not us, then who? If not now, then when? If not where we work, live, and play, then where? Friends, God is calling us to join him in his mission to bless all the peoples of the world. He's giving us all we need to do so and to do so together. Are you in? Thanks for exploring the topic of blessing with me. Hashtag blessed to bless. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, then please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And also check out my website, jmatthewbarnes.com. That's J-A-Y MatthewBarnes.com. Lastly, if you'd like to help support the creative process that helps bring this podcast to life, then please check out my Patreon page. Simply go to patreon.com slash jmatthewbarnes. That's the letter J, Matthew Barnes. There are some fun rewards there for folks who pledge support, although any level of support will be greatly appreciated. Thanks for your time, grace, and peace.